0: Hey guys, thank you for joining us today. This is Nathan and I'm sitting here listening to my J Radio app. If you haven't downloaded this yet, I want you to go do our sponsor a favor and do yourself a favor. Go download this app right now on iPhone, Android, whatever uh, platform you have in your app store. And uh, listen to the songs that they have on here. These guys are doing some amazing things and we really appreciate them partnering with us today. We're really excited about this extra that we are bringing to you. J.C. and myself are going to be interviewing a couple of people today. I'm interviewing Scott Salibi, a pastor friend of mine, and J.C. has an interview from the front lines of the coronavirus epidemic, and we're excited about seeing what God has for us today, and we appreciate you guys joining us. So let's get this thing started and see where it takes us. is an RFP extra. I know we have a lot of listeners who are pastors and workers in churches and I'm excited about interviewing my buddy Scott Salibi today from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Scott, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How you guys? Doing good. I appreciate you being willing to join me here. You have had an an interesting up close and personal view of what it's like to pastor in the coronavirus age. So, uh, man, we have been buddies for a long time. Uh, It seems like around 04, I would guess, was when uh, we met and met at a youth conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and God used you really bigger than you will probably ever realize in my life, in my ministry. Uh, we were together in a youth service, and uh, I think our paths had crossed before that, but had never had the chance to meet you. But I met you through hearing your testimony, which is powerful, and you preached a sermon that I will never forget out of Acts chapter 8. And God used that in my life in a powerful way because I was months from, being, from answering the call to preach myself. So, uh, God has used you in a powerful way in my life. Love you as a brother, as a friend, and, uh, really wanted to just reach out to you and ask you what it was like to pastor in this, in this time, in this season. I I think we've been called virtual pastors. That's a, that's a horrible way to put it, but, um, we are kind of forced into that role right now. So just share with me what it's like, bro. You know, I don't feel like it snuck up on me. You
1: probably feel the same. You you felt like something was coming, but we didn't know exactly what to this extent. But um, I remember a couple of weeks before all this went down, we weren't looking at having to close our doors. I had talked to our our media team and I was like, listen, are are we ready for the worst case scenario? And they were like, what is that? And I was like, worst case scenario is we don't have church in this building for a long time and we got to do all this online. Wow. And uh, so it was a blessing that the Lord gave us a little bit of discernment there, um, because if it were up to me, bro, it would be a train wreck. And I just <laughs> thank the Lord for our media team. Um, man, let me tell you, just, it's really cool that all those that have the spiritual gifts that, that aren't seen are now coming to the forefront. And it's just an amazing thing to see God
0: use them to really be the rock star, you know? Yeah, you're right. Without media teams, where would, where would the church be at right now?
1: And I tell you it's been such a um, an adjustment when you're you know I'm very relational I thrive and I crave being with people especially people that I shepherd yeah um, and to to be able to preach a point and be able to do it in such a way where I, ca- I count on voice reflection I count on eye contact I, you know I'll get up on a st- on a stool, a chair, whatever. I'll take my shoe off. I'll get her attention. You can't <laughs> do any of that with a camera.
0: Yeah, It's
1: you and that lens. And there's nobody, there's nobody looking back at you that you can physically see. And it's, you know, the very first Sunday we did this, I'll be honest with you, dude, I was, I was in tears. Uh, my wife had to pull me into the office and just pray with me and just, uh, just, just slapped me into some sense because I was, I I just wasn't ready for the lens. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of things as far as speaking in public and all that, but that lens was freaking me out, man. (laughs) I just had to get out of my head about it, and uh, the Lord got me through it, and it's, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with it. So on that aspect, as far as the virus, you know, getting used to the whole change of, of your you know your delivery has to be a little different online because people aren't in front of you you can't grab their attention so their attention span is way shorter because all they got to do is swipe left and now they're on facebook playing candy crush or whatever else it is <laughs> so you know it's it's really you know studying it and, and just researching all the different ways of communicating online um, I do not like the joke about being a televangelist that is not
0: funny but, uh, <laughs> That's a little funny.
1: <laughs> maybe a little bit, but uh
0: it's like a televangelist without the pay.
1: I don't have that conservative swipe haircut you know and the whole the whole uh you know spitting and stuff, but uh you know
0: it's it is what it is. Yeah, it is. And and speaking of that, you are a bit of a recovering fundamentalist yourself. I would love one day to be able to kind of dig into that. But uh, how does that play into what we're going through right now? Because uh, any kind of progress from certain aspects of the separatists and and people who don't want anything to do with modernism, this, this is it's really difficult to navigate this if we're not willing to use the tools that God has given us in this age.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, back in when I was a boy, you know, it was, you know, you had to have the red hymnal. You had to preach out of a certain Bible. You had to, you, you know, preaching off a screen was blasphemy, you know, all the way down to a suit you wore and the type of glasses you put on your face uh, as opposed to who it would relate to in a certain culture. Um, and, uh, you know, and now, you know, you got these guys who are really, um, struggling because everything they preached against now, if they don't do some of these things, they're not going to get hurt, period. But, uh, you know, that's just the cool thing about the way God works in our life. He, he strips so many things out of us that we think are Bible. And when we get right down to the truth and like, my good friend Craig Edwards says, once you see the treat, you can't unsee it. Yeah, <laughs> It's a blessing to see God working in the lives of some of those that, you know, would consider me a compromiser, but I still love them. I pray for each one of them on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Well, they, they've had a huge influence in our lives. And, and I think you're similar to me in a lot of ways. And, and we share this in common. I would say I'm the most reluctant of the three hosts on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast because I have a lot of rocks in my bag that I don't want to throw. And you and I have talked about doing an interview since this whole thing started. And you said, look, I'm, I would love to share my story, but I'm not throwing rocks. I don't, I don't, you know, I've forgiven these people. I've asked God to give me a a spirit of mercy and he's done that. And this is in the past. So I don't want to throw rocks, but you know, I would love to share my story. So I love that about you. You've got a big bag of rocks for things from your past that you could, throw, that you've chosen to lay those down.
1: No, man, I've actually, you know, through getting rid of the bitterness and the forgiveness that God's allowed me to have in Christ, man, it is so liberating. It is such a freedom that I have been able to experience to the point that I look at, you know, all of that, that I, that I was raised in and the things that, that, um, that I that I experienced has prepared me for where, where I'm at now and what God is doing. Um, Amen. In my life, um, you know, I'm, we're going through a whole thing with Elijah in First Kings, and uh, through this whole Corona virus thing. And one of the things that that you see in um, in chapter 17 in verse one and two, um, God tells Elijah, He says, "I want you to to go before Ahab." and drop the, there's no rain coming bomb on them, you Mm. know? And he says, you better prepare yourself. Now there'd already been six months of no rain, but now Ahab is looking to Elijah like, this is your fault. You're the troubler of Israel, you know? And, uh, and so God tells Elijah, I want you to go and hide. And when I read that, you know, when we say, let's go hide, you think of, oh, that's a weakness. You're, you're running, you're cowering. Um, And, but what's so cool about that whole story is in chapter 18 in verse uh, 1, the Bible says, Elijah, I want you to go and show yourself to Ahab. And so there was three years there where uh, Elijah, he couldn't experience the Mount Carmel until he stopped by the brook and got some learning. And, and I look at my whole, my whole past and all that, that God used all of that. I learned some amazing, amazing life lessons uh in the midst of all of that and I am just so thankful that um you know we can be um we have a place God has for us but and it can be ready for us but we're not ready for the place. And so God has to take us and humble us and say, you need to submit to this brook, boy, mm-hmm. or 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 else you're gonna miss out on on the caramel. And um and just uh it's a blessing. Blessing to be able to learn from all that. And uh um some people that that I highly uh, looked up to that I put my trust and faith in men. And uh, and then when you open the scriptures and you find out that it says, put your faith not in men, put your trust in the Lord. That That's just not there for looks. That's there to live. And, uh, man, once you grasp that concept, there's a freedom. But on top of that, once you experience that freedom, you can't, you know, I did it the wrong way. I was kind of like a Joseph. I kind of pranced around in my freedom like, you know i've i've stood before elijah said i before the lord i stood before the lord so standing before king ahab was no big deal and so for a long time there i had to learn that whole lesson uh and be humbled by the fact that you know just because i've i'm free in christ doesn't mean that i i can go on the other side of the coin and and um and do the uh the exact same thing that's been done to me so yeah. so I Can heard somebody up?
0: say one time, I think it was actually John Piper that said that forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook, letting them get away with it. Forgiveness is turning them over to the justice of God and allowing God to handle the wrongs that have been done to you. And I think that's such a healthy perspective that, that be sure your sin will find you out. Nobody's going to get away with anything, including me, which is it's terrifying when I think about it that way, because I, I can't be the judge and the jury of everybody that's wronged me. I've wronged a lot of people. So I I love that perspective, and I think that's healthy. And transitioning back to pastoring in COVID-19, we all know the the difficulties of becoming the (laughs) virtual pastor, the televangelist, standing in front of a uh, lens and just a few people in the room. And the challenge that that is, we've also got issues of not being able to visit people in the hospital, funerals, which are incredibly difficult, We've got uh, small groups doing Zoom meetings online. We've had people that have had (laughs) intruders come in and and post horrible things during a a church small group meeting. A lot of different aspects, but you have had to deal with something that, that I haven't had to deal with. And you've got church members that have actually contracted the virus. I was hoping you could share with us, and that's one of my good friends, and your, I believe, associate pastor, Aaron Hampton, and his family. Can you share with us what you walked through with that and how they are doing? Give us an update on their situation.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's, We've had five of our church members um, who have contracted the, the virus. Wow. And three of those five are healthcare workers. They're on the front lines, basically, caring for the elderly or working in a hospital situations so I mean that goes without saying one of the things that has first of all you you can't hit the panic button that was the first thing and I'm like Lord what am I supposed to do here we got people in our church they're they're sick you know there's churches all around us they're 10 times our size and here we are 150 175 people and we got five what's up with that Mm. thankfully um you know through that you know that's kind of where you got to like double down on what you've been preaching on Sunday morning you know, I'm gonna we'll tell these people to live by faith and trust in Him. He's He's sovereign, and this did not take Him by surprise. So, uh, therefore, preacher boy needs to do it too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, but everybody has has been recovering well from that. Thankfully, none of those five have had to be on a respirator. We've had some that have contracted pneumonia, and there's some that just had just a little bit of symptoms. But other than that, um, Pastor Aaron and uh his family and their situation has been a little more difficult than than most uh, because of their family dynamic so it's been it's been tough but the lord has seen him through it and his wife Chantelle she's recovering um a little bit getting stronger every day thank the lord for that because I uh, definitely don't know uh what I would do without without my buddy <laughs> and her and the family so but yeah it's it, it was diff- difficult no hospital visits Thankfully, we haven't had to deal with any funerals during this time. One of the things that we were able to do was uh, you try to figure out creative ways to, to minister. A real simple one. This was before they shut the roads down here in Ory County and Myrtle Beach. But technically, I'm working, so I have I have the right to just drive wherever I want. So we just hopped in the car. And uh, everybody that that we could get in touch with um, that was home, we'd stop by and, you know, Honk the horn and and they'd open their window, open their door, come out of the step, and we'd wave to them and tell them we love them. Just little things like that. There's not a lot you can do. You almost have a you got to kind of reject the feeling of helplessness and yeah. and so we got to figure out a way to to deal with this. We got to improvise. And uh, and I have seen some really cool creative ways of of ministering to the people in our community. Everybody does take out now. There's no dine-in, uh, so you know maybe leave a little extra tip. For those that, that are paycheck to paycheck right now, there's a lot of hurting people, and, and I would imagine it's going to get worse in the, in the near future. It's been a, it's been a challenge, but um, it's been a lot of fun at the same time because what an exciting time it is to be an ambassador for Christ right yeah. now. My neighbors that I've lived around for four or five years, and, and we've you know developed a relationship, and we've talked about the gospel, but now they're, they're coming over to my house, and, and they're, they're knocking on my door and uh, asking me, hey man, what you think about all this mess? And I was like, well, I think that uh, the Lord's coming soon and I think that we need to be ready. So it's like an open door, man, it's the coolest thing.
0: Yes, it is. Well, Scott, uh, thank you for your time today, man. I wish we could talk for a long time. One of the things I, I love about the family of God is how connected we all are. I met JC at Temple Baptist in Chattanooga and we were on a youth retreat. JC was there, I was there. I met you at that retreat. JC and I left early from that retreat and drove home, which is where God really put our hearts together and we became brothers. And then years after that, we met back up with Brian and Craig Edwards at a conference right after I'd met them online and ran into you and and our friendship began to grow. And Aaron Hampton is is, uh, co-pastoring with you now. And, he was the associate pastor at Temple Baptist. JC shared about him and his story. I shared about him in my story. He was the first person that greeted me when I walked in the doors of Temple Baptist and found us a seat. He actually kicked church members out of their seat, made them go sit in the balcony while the building was being remodeled and got us really good seats the first Sunday we were there. So he, it's just amazing how all of our paths have crossed with me, JC, Brian, you, Aaron, and that's the family of God, man. So when we yeah. heard that Aaron had, had, uh, Aaron's family was walking through this, man, our hearts went out to him. But to know that he's being loved and shepherded and uh, watched out for, man, that is, that is so comforting. So thank you, Scott, for the work that you're doing. Thank you for your heart. We need to talk again someday more about your journey through fundamentalism and, and uh, how God is using you at New Covenant in Myrtle Beach man, it's been an incredible journey. There've been a lot of uh, pain and heartache along the way. And you, like I said, you've got a powerful testimony, but man, God has used everything that's happened in your life to minister to others. And I believe he's got you right on the front lines, right where he wants you to be. And uh, I just, I just want to close out by praying for you, if I can do that today. Absolutely. All right, man. Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing for your family and your body and your flock throughout uh, this uh, pandemic that we are walking through as pastors and as a church. And Lord, I thank you so much for my brother Scott and the work that you're doing in his life. And uh, Lord, I pray for Aaron and his family and the other uh, members of new covenant that have uh, that are dealing with this disease right now. And Lord, I pray for healing Lord, uh, I pray that this will all be finished soon so we can all gather back together and look forward to the day where uh, this, this, uh, these rooms where Scott and I are sitting in two different states where these rooms are full of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ celebrating, uh, present, uh, together. And Lord, until that happens, I pray that you just give us wisdom, give us a heart full of love, help us to resist the fear and uh the panic and help us to lean into the fact that you are sovereign and that you are ruling and reigning over all this and that you're using this for your glory and for our good Mm -hmm. so father we love you thank you for my brother i pray that you'd lift him up give him courage and we ask all these things in jesus name Amen. amen scott love you buddy thank you for talking to me you got it man talk to you soon jc what you got for us buddy
2: Hey, everybody. All right. This is JC, and I am here with Kyle Abernathy. And Kyle is the principal at a school in Rome, Georgia. What is the name of the school, Kyle? Uh,
3: Cape Spring Elementary.
2: Cape Spring Elementary. And how long have you been there?
3: Well, this is actually my first year as principal there.
2: Okay. So Kyle and April um, are followers of Jesus. Um, They're part of the Church of God Church there in in Calhoun area. Is that correct? Uh, Rome. In Rome, okay. You you live in Calhoun.
3: Yes, yes. Ah, I've
2: got yes. it. And uh, so he he grew up a Baptist boy, and then went over there. And we we've been talking a little bit about that before we started recording. And uh, we wanted to bring him on because this whole concept with cultural engagement and you know feeling like there's this difference between church and state, and how you know the government can't tell us what to do. We wanted to bring Kyle on because. Just over the last few weeks, uh, both Kyle and April have tested positive for the coronavirus. And uh, in fact, his wife, April, uh, was inches away from death, just moments, breaths away from death, and God rescued her. She's home now, and uh, they're healing. Kyle, just share with us the the story from the start, if you will. You don't have to go into too much detail, but just kind of give us an idea of what it's like to live through this and be on the other side and, and healing now.
3: Sure. Well, um, March first, I had um, we had finished up a, a church service, a, good, a celebration at a local church, and um, I just, by after that service, I started feeling pretty bad. Um, I had begun to develop a cough, and um, I chalked it up as nothing other than just an ongoing uh, bronchitis issue that I'd had since Christmas. And so I started feeling pretty bad. I thought I was just tired um, because the, the work that I do can be very taxing <laughs> through the week. So yeah. that Sunday, I just, I felt really bad. Uh, went home and just, you know, took some over-the-counter medicine, didn't think anything about it. Uh, the next day I got up, uh, things worsened, um, wound up going to urgent care. They gave me a few things to take at home. Um, and then by Wednesday of that week, which would have been the third, uh, I just really felt like there was more to what I was experiencing, so I went went back to the urgent care. Uh, they did a flu test, and I uh, came positive for the flu, mm. and so I thought, well, this is why I felt bad since the first, um, and as the week went on, um, the condition just worsened, and I just it almost felt like, uh, someone was sitting down on my chest. Mm. And, um, by that Sunday, the 8th, April had begged me to go to the emergency room and just get an x-ray, figure out what's going on. So, uh, my mom came, got me, picked me up, mom, dad, uh, and we went to a local hospital here in Rome. And, um, so, Once they did the x-ray and then CAT scan, they decided to admit me and um, told me they were going to um, test me for the coronavirus. And I kind of chuckled at them. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, Because at that point, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there in terms of who's getting it, who's not and how fast it's spreading. So uh, when it come back positive, I just kind of panicked because I knew all the people I'd been around, you know, yeah. Sunday the 1st. I knew that I'd i gone to work some that week, um, despite being out most of the week. And then I knew that, you know, my kids and my wife were home. So, and around that time, she, she had gotten very sick as well. And uh, to the point to where she couldn't walk down the stairs to go uh, fix the kids' breakfast. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I had begged her to come to the hospital and and be tested and get checked out. So it just wound up that she came that Tuesday after, after the 8th. Um, so that would have been the, the 10th. And so they hospitalized her as well. Um, but her condition worsened. She didn't have the cough like I did. She just, uh, it almost felt like she just had no energy at all and um she doesn't even remember having much difficulty breathing but uh by the time they had uh admitted her that wednesday after the 10th so it'd have been the 11th um she'd gotten so bad to the point to where they told her they were going to intubate her mm. and so they intubated her and uh, she was actually right next door to me um in in the hospital and uh so at that point, you know, the condition worsened. They had her, you know, at one point on 100% on the ventilator. Um, you know, she was uh pretty much paralyzed from the medical induced coma and um by that weekend, that next weekend, they had determined that they needed to get her to Emory mm-hmm. um where they could uh do a little bit more specialized treatment. They had discussed ECMO treatment. Um, and then there, there was also a trial drug Remdesivir at Emory that they could put her on. And, and they did have the access there to the local hospital where we were at. So, mm-hmm. um, but the doctor came in and pretty much gave her a death sentence. He told, he told me and called uh, my in-laws and said, you know we're working to get her to emory but there is a good chance she may not even make it to emory wow. so at that point i had just um almost had gotten to the point of panic and um i was on oxygen myself and this distress from that i think mm-hmm. just kind of kind of uh, got at me but it wound up that um we got on the phone with some of some of our prayer warriors and and uh, definitely uh, got prayer going for April. Um, the media got attention. Um, I don't, I really don't know how that happened, but it just, mm. it just did. And it did quickly. Um, but our story was shared, uh, because, you know, by all sense of the means, you know, people are saying that, uh, you know, the elderly and very young are at high risk. And, and that, that is a hundred percent true, yeah. but also, flip side of that uh april and i were very healthy and yeah. uh we had no underlying conditions that we know of um, rarely ever go to the doctor and when i said urgent care that's pretty much our doctor <laughs> yeah.
0: because we don't Same. we don't need
3: a family doctor and, and that's a good sign um, yeah. that we're healthy but uh both of us are in our 30s and just to have come from uh you know almost a death sentence for her So now she's home and walking and receiving physical therapy here at the house. It's just amazing to see how far we have come, Uh, but it's a very real, real virus and and very scary at the same time.
2: Yeah. So we've been talking, there's still some churches that are meeting, um, you know, guys that are running bus routes, people that we've been talking about that, that, you know, will say that God is bigger than this virus. And that is true. But they're also Mm -hmm. saying the government can't shut us down. They can't tell us what to do because we follow this. What would you say to those guys that are still having services on the weekend, still running bus routes? What what would you say after living through it literally, coming out on the other side, what would your bit of encouragement be to our listeners that may still be attending a church service right now in person?
3: Well, right off, just to back it up with scripture, um, I, I really you know, the scripture says we're not above the law. We're, we're right. not above the law of the land. And so, you know, if you look at the biblical principles behind it, if if we're still having services and it, it's not just in the Baptist church, there are Pentecostal churches still uh, that sure. we know of now that are still meeting. um You know, your faith might be bigger than your fear, and I hope it is. But also, you have to have a level of knowledge and understanding to know that this could happen to anybody. It it rains on the just and unjust, so you might as well go by the, the governing of the land, you know, God puts these people in position to uh, have authority and um, we may not agree with every decision they make, but um, definitely, I think it's uh, it calls for common sense uh, yeah. almost to, good word. to just really get, get out of those positions of, of uh, these mass meetings, uh, AKA church, uh, and And go online and and go on uh, facebook and and um, get your spiritual feed that way. Right. Um, and I just encourage people you know we we contracted the virus, we believe, at a big church function um, we were We were at uh, a church. That wasn't our home church, but it was a retirement celebration for somebody that we we really loved and admired, and uh, we believe that we contracted it there. No fault of the church at all, no fault of anybody that was there. Um, In fact, nobody knew to have the coronavirus. Yeah. But it happened, and I think that people are putting their lives at risk. You're putting your family, your pastors, your laymen, your your deacons, your children at risk for continuing to meet in these. Now, I, don't, I don't care if your church is 10 people. I mean, it's still a risk. Yeah. Um, so I would just encourage people, uh, you know, biblically, we're, we're not above the law of the land, um, and, and we really need to – take this time to refocus and, um, get plugged in online. I know it's hard for some people, uh, but my parents Me included. <laughs> they're, they're right. And they're, my parents are members of a, of a church. I, I think they only have 10 to 12 on a given mm-hmm. Sunday, but they're meeting through Facebook messenger Yeah, and that's working for them. And that's they have good. powerful, powerful services over messenger. Yeah. Uh, so God gives us these tools too that we can tap into and and do things a little differently.
2: I agree. I think it's an incredible time to be alive right now. Just with everything going on, we have an opportunity. That we'll, I don't know if we'll ever have this opportunity again to really just stop and to have everything stripped away in certain ways to where we can worship together. Kyle, I just want to ask you on a personal level, as a as a dad, as a husband, um, as a man, what's life like now on the other side of this? Almost losing your wife not knowing if you were going to make it there in the hospital. Like, how are you viewing life now? What what are some things you're doing different that maybe you weren't five weeks ago?
3: Yeah, um, I, I think it's given me a greater awareness um, an appreciation, uh, mm. really, to see what all my wife does do, <laughs> take up and do myself. And, um, you know, the sense of appreciation and gratitude, mm. I've felt – A whole lot more you know in the last couple of weeks um, on a personal level but also just as a dad and as the provider of my home just realizing that I've got to protect my my family Um, yeah and and there again you know keeping us away from from you know the public that might put my kids at at, you know greater harm but um but also just on a spiritual level uh you know god has really dropped things into my heart since being hospitalized because i didn't have anything else to do but yeah. listen to god and um let his word kind of speak to me but really just uh reviving me because i've gotten into kind of a rut um mm last year and a half, I think I just got comfortable with where I was in my walk. Um, you know, yeah. not that I had uh, backslidden or walked away from the faith at all. I just uh, kind of stopped serving. And I guess that's yeah. the best way to put, put it. Um, and through that, I, I lost that um, that fire and that zeal that I should have had as, mm. as a dad and as a leader and um, Sunday school. Wasn't important to me. Um, and so I think that kind of trickled in over to the family. And so through this time, I've realized the things that I am missing. Um, yeah. you know, I'm not able to go to church, not able to go to Sunday school, uh, not able to go to choir practice or, or uh, you know, serve and the first impression team. There's lots of things that we're missing now. So yeah. again, going back to that gratitude and that appreciation, um, you know, that, that really is at home, but just allowing the Lord to hopefully when all this is over and it will be, um, yeah. soon, uh, and just letting him lead me, um, so I can leave my family and, it's and awesome. just realizing that time is, uh, important and how we spend our time is important and, um, keeping the main thing, the main thing.
2: Yeah. You get a second chance, man. It's exciting. I've been following That's your story. I don't know how I heard, about it I, I I mean it just kind of blew up my timeline and uh you know just randomly a couple of weeks ago just reached out and messaged in just let you know and I was surprised that you responded back I was like oh I guess he's doing all right you know and so uh just just know there's so many people that have been praying for y'all and and I know uh I've got a buddy right now uh Stuart that just went into the hospital uh he's had it for two weeks and actually just had a heart attack last night his name's Stuart Hall he's a traveling speaker um and, you know, his wife is saying, we've never experienced the power of prayer like we're really experiencing it now. Uh, we got some friends, Chantel, that has it right now. And her husband, Aaron, has been talking about, you know, the power of prayer. And so, you know, I think, I think there is, there, we have an incredible tool in prayer. And I love what you've said here. It's been very practical and helpful to just not be stupid. To let this time pass, you know, it's going to pass. Um, You know, I I think there's some new norms that are being created as a result of this. Um, You know, that's been some things that we're talking about. What are some of the new norms that are going to come out of this? 9 11, it changed our culture. I think this is going to change our culture. This is unprecedented. Nobody in the history of mankind has lived, I say that history of mankind, but nobody in our day and age has lived through something like this um, that is so rampant. And so there'll be some new norms that come out of it. But I believe that what this has done is it's kind of just lit a fire under the culture, which is the church, the big C church. And I believe revival is going to come. It is coming as a result of this. You got anything else you want to close that just to let our listeners hear? Uh,
3: Yeah, there's, there's one thing. We used to sing a song called uh, uh, my house is full, uh, but my field is empty. Folks who are out in the field now, you know, when, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he said, look look at the field, they're wide into harvest, but, you know, the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got us kind of out of the four walls of the church. We're not there anymore. For sure. Um, so we have a great opportunity to reach people that otherwise we wouldn't have reached because we were stuck back in our four walls. I agree. Um, so so I feel like this is God's way of putting us out there. And just, again, on the power of prayer, um, just to remind people, you know, Hebrews talks of, of going to God uh, boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. Um, and I, I think that's what our prayers need to be. Um, I, I spoke earlier, you know, with my testimony, no more patty prayers. We've got to yeah. be very intentional and truthful in our prayers because God knows our heart anyway. So we might as well pray to him with the boldness and fervency that uh, he has given us. He's all given us that measure of, uh, of boldness and just to encourage people to continue to pray. Um, we'll get through this.
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm going to flip the script on you. Would you pray for us?
3: Absolutely. Do do that. Lord, I thank you for my family that I have just met the last couple of days. I didn't realize that uh, we were all kindred spirits, but I thank you for each and every person that's tuning into the podcast, um, each and every person that will, uh, God, feel your power and your your, um, wisdom that comes from this. And I, I thank you that your word doesn't return void, that it is powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we have your word to lean on in these times of uncertainty, that we can open up your word. And God, your word is powerful. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you've not given us a spirit of fear. We're not going to fear these times, but we are going to, Lord, lean on you. We're going to use our common sense, God, because you've given us that measure as well. And I thank you, God, that you have allowed April and myself and others that I know come through this um, so that we can give you the glory, God, because Mm. it's all you. It's all your miracles. It's all your healing. And I thank you, God, for allowing us to teach your word, to preach your word, and God, to share what you've given us. Um, And I, I just pray that you would just... God, remind the listeners of your power and your strength that you give and God, that you want to be present, that you want to be in their lives. And I pray that you would just help each and every person that's listening, tuning in. God, uh, even our churches and our families, Lord, that we would just worship you through all of this and that we would just lean on you and trust you because you have all authority, all power, and we thank you, God, for our uh, nation and the leaders that are making decisions. We may not always agree with it, but God, help us to um, not turn a deaf ear to them, and and help us, God, to uh, encourage them and and pray for them, and God, I thank you for uh, this podcast, and thank you, Lord, for the fruit that will come out of it. We praise your name, and we thank you that it's done in your name, Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Kyle, thank you so much for being on with us today, buddy. We're still praying for y'all. Thank you.